The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Hello and welcome to Failure to Stop. If you're a part of the Wolf Pack, we say that guns up, giddy up. Failure to Stop is a channel to entertain and inform first responders using dark humor, practical news, and informative breakdowns. Tonight, we're going to step into the heart of the action with the Comm Center, a podcast that illuminates the untold stories of emergency dispatchers and their vital role in saving lives. Join us as we delve into riveting 911 calls, bridging the gap between dispatchers and first responders, and uncovering the remarkable synergy that safeguards our communities. Hear the voices behind the scenes on the Comm Center. It's going to be back. Drew, how are you doing, my man? I haven't seen you in two weeks. How's it going? Uh, I, I I feel whole again because I'm uh, I'm with I'm back with my boy John. I, I feel uh, I feel happy to be here. Um, I have to admit I was jealous for not being on that show last week. That was an awesome topic. There were so many people in the chats that I'd never seen before. Uh, that was a great case, and I wish I'd been here for it. And uh, you could probably tell that because even though I was on vacation, I was very active in the chat. So just wanted to say good job to you, Drew. Thanks for holding it down so I could have a week off. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm glad to be back. I love being on this show. This is a highlight of my week, just as it is for all of our fans. And I'm glad to be here. I, I don't ever want you to let me go on vacation again. And I know as a 911 dispatcher, that's really not realistic anyway. So I'm just happy to be here with you, Drew. How's it going? No, I, I I do like that there's like two layers of approval for your vacations now. Like you've got to do your comm center layer of approval with your actual work comm center. And then you got to come to me and say, hey, can you cover me while I have the week off? So, I know. Yes. It's, you're, you're the boss of my comm center and then my comm center boss. You guys like have to like three-way call to <laughs> arrange a good time for me to be away, which then... Uh, it was not necessarily the best of times to be away, but I appreciate it all the same. I, I just wanted to, to catch up on a couple of things. I wanted to just, uh, I wasn't here last week, so I just wanted to pass on some condolences to the Fargo Police Department. Fargo is a place I visit quite often. As you can imagine, that's probably near where I am. Uh, Fargo is a very nice community. Fargo is a nice place. Uh, their police department is uh, top notch. And uh, just, I, I wanted to just, say that the whole community up there is hurting. Fargo's kind of a, it's the biggest city in North Dakota, but it's really a small town. And I know that that town's still going through a lot. So if you're up there in North Dakota, if you are in Moorhead, the whole Fargo-Moorhead area, uh, we are thinking about you guys still and uh, praying that your burden gets light as time goes on. Um, and uh, other than that, Drew, nothing else much going on. I'm, I'm pleased to report that no one called me or emailed me or sent me any messages about uh, having been stung by bees or anything. So uh, I don't... So in that case, you'll have room to discuss like your vacation. Did you do something? Honest? I did. Do something I did. fun? Yeah, I uh, I booked a Disney cruise and I sailed from South Florida to Jamaica. And I remember my stepson was there, and he was like, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> what? Was he impressed with um, Captain Hook? I, you know, my vacation was so non-existent. I obviously just have to borrow details from yours. All, all I did was hang out. I, I worked on the set a little bit, uh, got some stuff done around home and just, I hate saying the phrase staycation, but that's what it was. And if you think about it, you know, as a 911 dispatcher, I hate other people talking to them, being out amongst them. And here I am in my basement, which is just like my office. So it just was comfortable to be at home. 
and uh, I was glad to get the break. So the cat is out of the bag. He does not have any form of uh, old timey baseball player. He did. He did. We knew he didn't have Lou Gehrig's disease. I said that you were kind of a second rate, uh, like he had Lou, Lou Pinella's disease. Yeah, I think he. I think I came up with Lou Pinella's disease, uh, a fellow Tampan. It's, uh, it's funny because I got these sideburns at age eight. That was Carly Stremsky's disease. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going with Sparky Lyle's disease. Uh, but 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 you know. The kids in the chat just don't understand. I barely get it. I don't like baseball. Carlos Stremski is the only baseball player I know. So Mark McGuire, oh, I guess. I don't know. Yes. Sorry. Um, so I, I feel uh, I feel whole again. Like I said, I, I'm back amongst the creators. I just returned today from my uh, from my trip back home for my mother's funeral. Again, not to bring everybody down, but this is uh, this is a. Uh, this is probably going to be one of the heavier shows that we do. It's not heavy in the sense that you think, though. It's uh, stick around. I want you to stick around here for this one. Um, it's going to be uh, great. Uh, Ricardo Martinez is with us. He is nice. uh, he is the one that um, – oh, by the way, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so by calling 848-COM-911. That's 848-266-6911. I would nice. love it if you called us. And uh, once we get into the meat of this discussion, I think you're going to want to talk to Ricardo anyway. I, I, that's my suspicion. And if you don't, um, it's your loss. I mean, you, you can – sometimes we're just better uh, readers than we are uh, talkers, and I get that. Cool. But um, How did you first uh, come across Ricardo? Because I'll just admit I'm, I'm kind of an outsider. Uh, I heard his uh, podcast, Within the Trenches, was kind of how I first came across him. He's an excellent podcaster, but obviously he's a lot more than that, as we're going to find out. I'm just wondering how, how, you made him, how you met him or came by him, or you, unless you want to save that story for when he's here in a few minutes. <laughs> no, let's just continue to pretend like he's not here. Um, no, we'll, we'll, we'll bring Ricardo out in a second. He's, uh, I've always had a penchant. That's French, John, for um, uh, for the communications people, the 911 people, because you know where I started. You know where my heart is up in that communication center. And I do remember, um, and I'm, I'm going to guess that it was like 2016, 2017 or something. I was a, uh, I, I think I was a newly minted lieutenant, but I started seeing, uh, I, I was always a fan of Instagram, and I started seeing these IM 911 posts, and they struck me. Because I was like, you know what? Nobody really talks about what these these like telecommunicators, dispatchers, emergency dispatchers go through. Nobody talks about it, and and they're still stuck in this clerical field. So, as a matter of fact, uh, we'll do the ad reads in a minute, John. But let's bring Ricardo out here. I, yeah, I just can't get him out here. I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> here he is. Well, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you. This is, uh, I'm going to read part of your bio here straight off of your website, if you don't mind. Ricardo Martinez is a creative individual, which is true. I'm amongst the two most creative people I know probably right here. They, uh, he uses his skills in writing, design, and podcasting to tell stories of those he works with. Now for 13 years, he answered the call of a 911 dispatcher. It's like his 10th anniversary of walking away from the industry, though. And I know that he had uh, an emotional uh, departure from some other project he was doing kind of recently within the last year and a half or two years. This dude is the uh, the classic example of, look, stop talking about your dreams. Your dream when you're talking about your dreams are just goals. Go out and achieve them. And this and he's doing it. So, what Ricardo has done is he's got 
he's got multiple podcasts. He does the Dispatcher Roundtable. It's all on within the trenches media on uh, YouTube. I'm, I'm probably stealing most of this guy's thunder, but he's. Uh, it, it's also on the uh, within the uh, within the trenches podcast. WTT podcast is the Instagram handle. I swear I'm going to give you a minute to talk. And uh, uh, th- this is classic John right here. John always swears that the cops just you know, shut him down and, and do all the talking for him. And then, you know, you're just supposed to stand there and not. Uh, so, and, and what, what struck me recently though, is the book. He wrote a book. Um, he wrote, uh, he, he compiled some things that he's been collecting. Plus he contributed. He wrote a book uh, called uh, imagine listening. Uh, it's something that he's been doing at the APCO conferences and such. And I, I want to hear all about it. So let's let Ricardo he, look, Ricardo, the red light is on your side of the camera. Your mic is on. Have at it, buddy. How you doing? You know, I am doing very well. Thank you for for having me here. Um, you know, it's been it's been a crazy day. I've been doing uh, interviews, doing a bunch of different uh, work and stuff, and then just a few hours ago, my power went out. I have no idea what the hell happened. And so that's why I'm here. You can see some of the guitars in the back of me. This is my brother's guitar room. So luckily he lives close enough that I was able to come over here and jump on my phone and headphones and uh, I get to be here and talk with you guys. So this is awesome. You know, as as you were saying with, with everything that was going on, you know, I started Dispatch back in uh, 2001. So, oh, geez, that's so long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually, uh, it was actually a few weeks after uh, 9-11. I ended up leaving Southwest Michigan, and I only went to visit my mom, my grandmother, and my sisters for, I was only going to be there for a couple of weeks. However, it ended up turning into almost a four-year stay. That's where I started my yeah, that's where I started my dispatch career. So Central Florida, and it's funny that you say you you kind of know the area as well. Uh, it's frost proof. Yeah, right. Is that not a lot? Is of- that Hardy County or is that um, Polk County? Frost proof would be Polk County, I guess. Huh? Yes, yeah, that would be Polk County. And uh, so this is a small police department, small city. And uh, when I when I went to go and apply. You know, up until this point, so I'm 19, right? And I have only retail management uh, experience under my belt. No idea what dispatch does and nothing like that, except for my most favorite show, one of my most favorite shows, which was Rescue 911 with William Shatner. <laughs> William Shatner, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yes. John's favorite show, my favorite show. So that that's really all I had to go off of. And uh, so I, I go in, I get the interview, I sit down with the chief and the lieutenant, and they're firing all these questions at me. And I remember I was able to keep up with them pretty well. And I was thinking in my head, this is awesome. Like I'm keeping up with them, this is good. But you know, thinking about it now, and every time I told the story, they were testing me. They were testing me to see if I could handle the pressure of the amount of questions that were gonna come at me and how I was gonna be able to think on my feet. So after that, I go home feeling good, but then I don't hear anything from them for two months. Mm. Two months. And I, I, I thought I screwed the pooch, man. I was like, nope, I screwed it up. I, I didn't do well enough. 
And uh, one day I'm at home, my, uh, I'm getting ready to, actually I was dozing off. I was gonna take a nap. My grandmother walks into the room. Now my grandmother barely spoke English. It was all Spanish. So she comes into the room and she starts yelling at me. And she's yelling at me in Spanish saying, the police are here, the police are here. What did you do? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't do anything. And she goes, well, you need to go and see what's going on. So I go outside and it's the chief. And I say hello and ask what's going on, of course, because why is he there? And he asked me if I still wanted the job. And I said, yeah, I, you know, I do, but I, I didn't think I got the job or I didn't think I did well enough in the interview. It's been two months. And he says, well, the background check takes forever. So do you want the job? Now, normally when you're starting a new job, you sometimes start the following week, right? So that's what I asked him. And he goes, you start tonight. Oh my God. It's like, wait, and for real? You know, and I asked him, you know, are you serious? And he goes, you want the job, don't you? And I said, no, 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 I, I do. I, believe me, I need this job. I want the job. I just wasn't expecting to work tonight. And he goes, yeah, you work tonight. So my first shift was a 10P to 6A shift. So I go back inside, take my nap, go into uh, the police department that night. I meet my trainer, which I will say, and, and you guys will understand this term, a very seasoned dispatcher. I'll say that. <laughs> Maybe a little crusty, you know, a little bit. <laughs> but um, I, I end up going in there. I meet him. He shows me everything. Now, this is 2001. However, the radio that we were using, it was an it was an older radio. You had to punch in a five-digit number just to make the tones go off for fire rescue. Bro, what? <laughs> so he's introducing me to all of this, right? And he ends up taking an 911 call. Now, I'm in awe of what's going on, and I sit down, and I'm just observing. My, my heart is pumping, and I have no idea what it is that's going on. I, we didn't have a mechanism or the umbilical cord for me to be able to listen in, so I'm just waiting. I'm just watching. And when he's done with the call, he turns and looks at me, and he goes, you're next. What? Oh. Oh. Yeah, dude. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm – I, I, what was that? He tossed the keys at you and said, you're driving, rookie. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was definitely throwing me into the lion's den there. And I said to him, I said, are you serious? I said, there's, there's nothing else. I said, there has to be more training than this. I mean, we're dealing with lives. And he ends up saying, look, the only way you're going to get into this and really learn is by doing it. In order to do this job, you have to have thick skin, you have to have common sense, and you have to be human. And that was those three things have always stuck with me. But then, of course, I'm sitting there sweating because I'm, I'm nervous about this call that's going to come in, my first call. And the call finally comes in, and I answer, and it was a butt dial. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank the Lord. <laughs> yeah, but you got your share of those during your – like you knew how to handle that one right away, I bet. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm in there. I, I take that call. The good thing about it was that um, it kind of broke the ice, you know, because I've been waiting. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And that call comes in and it was kind of like, ah, okay, you know. <laughs> so then we continue going on from, from there. The good thing, though, was that 
the following week was when I had a 40 hour beginners training for, uh, for dispatch. So it was definitely, as, as Chrissy said, their trial by fire, you know, getting thrown in, it was definitely like that. But that following week was when I actually had that training. It was, uh, it was in uh, Auburndale in Florida. Auburndale, Florida is where I was at. And I went to their PD and, and had that whole thing. It was cool to be in there. There was about 30 of us and they were teaching us all types of different techniques. However, some of the stuff that they didn't teach us was how are you going to deal with these calls after you're taking these mm -hmm. hard calls? So again, it's 2001, there wasn't a lot of resources and we weren't talking about a lot of it. So, you know, it, I go through that class, we learn these different techniques and I go through all my training. Now this is where it gets heavy. And one of the, the many spots that we might hit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what ends up happening is this is my first day off of training, gonna be by myself. And I'm excited, you know, I'm stoked for this because I've been going through my training. I'm finally gonna be taking the reins, eight hour shift, small, small city, but you know, still there's a lot, you know, a lot of stuff that goes on when it when the shit hits the fan. Yeah, this is a day for a celebration, dude. This is your cut loose. Right. You, you probably yeah. have uh, butterflies in your stomach, but at the same time, you can't wait to get take command of the phone or the radio or however you're doing it. I get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to show everyone that uh, I can do this job, you know? And so the, the chief is getting ready to leave. And he goes, do you think you got this? And I said, come on. I said, I got you, man. <laughs> I said... You literally live down the road. You are always listening to the scanner. And if you hear me having any problems, I know you're going to be here. And he basically said, okay, you know me well enough. Okay, we're, we're good. So we just continue talking, right? And again, small police department. People can open the door, walk in, and make their complaints there. And people had done that before. So we're there talking. We hear a car screech up. And immediately we're both at attention. What the hell is going on? Door opens and we hear a lady screaming. I found him. I found him. And she, she runs in. Now she is just beside herself, just yelling this over and over and over. She's screaming, she's crying. And again, small city, everybody knows the chief. The chief knows everyone. He kind of grabs her by the arms a little bit. And, and says, what is going on? What is going on? And so he knew who she was. He'd already given me the address. We already had people heading out there. So what happened was her and her husband were separated. And they were trying to figure out whether or not they were going to continue their marriage. It had been some time, right? And mm -hmm. she finally decided, yes, I want to do this. I want to continue our marriage. So she goes home to tell her husband. And she found him that he had hung himself. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, this is 911. You figure that the phone call or the one of the biggest calls you're going to be taking, especially in the beginning, is going to be on the phone. But this was face-to-face. This was my first. This is how I really got into dispatch. And the chief heads over there to join everybody else. 
and she's just sitting in the living room or the living room, in, I'm sorry, in the lobby right there in that area. And I'm on the other side. So then what do you end up doing? Well, you be human, right? One of those three, you be human. So I go out front and I sit next to her and I, I ask her if there's anyone she wants me to call for her. And she asked for family. So I called some family for her. They came, they were with her for a little while and then they left. Now, as you know, and as John knows, we don't get a lot of closure, right? In dispatch, we end up taking that call in the beginning. We're there all the way to the end. And the majority of the time, we don't get that closure. You have no but idea. With this, yeah. And, but with this call, I knew what happened, right? I, I knew that she had found him. He, he was no longer alive or anything. But there was still something that bothered me. And maybe it was just all of this that happened, you know, how, you know, continuing, how did you get there? What else happened? Why? You know, so one of the officers comes back and he's got the suicide note. And I'm just kind of standing there because at this point, I'm, I don't know what to feel. And I'm just kind of standing there. And I, I'm, kind of glancing over at the note and glancing over at the note and the officer notices and he goes, do you want to read it? And I said, yeah. I said, I don't know why. I said, but I, I just feel like it would help me feel better. I don't know. And he understood. So he gave it to me. And basically what it said was he could no longer live without his wife and their kids. Oh, he wanted them to be able to make it and and because he loved them and he wanted the marriage to continue and every time i told the story all i can think is if you if if maybe you could have waited just a little bit longer man like we wouldn't be sharing this story right now right but that was that was my first one and there wasn't a, a like a debriefing or anything again this is like 2001 this is, you know, there's, and it's still kind of like this now, right? Where there's the, um, the old guard or that mindset, that mentality of suck it up, buttercup, you know, you just continue to move on. But a lot of us are sharing these stories and, and, and feeling, you know, a lot of these calls that are coming in, but back then nobody was really talking about it, but that was my first one. Uh, Ricardo, I, I mean, th this is what I find um, most intriguing yet most, uh, maybe not most important, but very important with what you do. Because nobody, <laughs> just like you say, nobody is talking about it. Um, well, we're getting there. We're getting better because of, you know, it, it's coming to light. It's, we're getting stuff in the forefront because of your efforts and because every, mm -hmm. you know, everybody else. And John, feel free to jump in here at any time. But um, I, I could tell you too, like, I use the same, pretty much the same line every time. I started as a dispatcher in 1992, and I was a cop by 1995. So uh, I came back as a lieutenant to run the same comm center in 2017, 2018. So nothing really changed. The only thing that changed was a little bit of the technology and some of the paint colors and not really a whole lot of the paint colors. So uh, when you talk about uh, suck it up, buttercup, n nothing changed in that sense. It, things got more violent in the world. I mean, so it changed. Uh, and when you think about it, 
with the advent of cell phones. So from t- even the leap you saw from 2001 to 2013 or whenever you were in it or 2001 to 2018, it, it's, it's estimated that 80 to 85% of the 911 calls are now cell phone calls. Nobody calls from a landline anymore. Also think about this. You used to, uh, like when we were starting out in communications or whatever, uh, people would call 911 from a payphone to report a, a store robbery or, or whatever. But, but now they're calling with a live description because they're standing in front of the, the, what's going on with a cell phone or they're following him. So it made the profession, uh, it made the law enforcement pr- profession a little bit more dangerous because it put the officers right in the middle of the, of the business, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it also increased and up the trauma of what the dispatchers are listening to because uh, I, I think people take for granted that listening to something is just as much as uh, you're just as much of a witness when you hear what's happening as when you see what's happening. There's no difference in the trauma. There's no difference in the trauma response between what a dispatcher goes through and what an officer goes through. The difference lies in the danger because you're present when the bullets are flying or the car is driving at you or whatever. So yeah, okay, let's set some of that aside. Even if it's like uh, firefighters responding to a fire, you know, the danger is present because they're on the road and blah, blah, blah. The trauma is no different. And if you read Ricardo's book, Imagine Listening, you'll see that everybody has got the first story that he just told you. And just about everybody is willing to share that first story because when when you say Imagine Listening, it's almost a double entendre because it, it seemed like nobody wanted to listen before. You know, everybody wants to, or, or maybe like, uh, the casual civilian observer wanted to listen because they just wanted to hear some cool stories or gory details, but they don't realize how uh, how much it affects us as human beings. Like you, your brain is trying to process things like, man, the, the heartbreak of this woman who's like, <laughs> I was going home to tell him we were going to work it out. I found him hanging. He's dead. Now he's no longer in our lives and our kids' lives or anything. And then come to find out, I read the story for the closure part of it. And the guy just, he just had bad timing because we just stuck it out for another 15 or 20 minutes. None of this would have happened. John, what's your experience in all of this? Uh, Mute, mute, mute. Man, rookie mistake two weeks in a row. And I had vacation off of that. Uh, I would say that the thing that I always remember about, I remember every suicidal call, uh, suicide call I've ever taken. Um, in some ways, that's good because I guess I don't have a lot. But the ones that I've had are pretty bad. Uh, a couple of them involving kids. And uh, that that stays with you um, because there's there's really no no manual or code or anything that kind of there's no guide for for how you deal with that situation. Uh, like Ricardo says, you've got to find a moment that's human. And uh, it's an impossible situation to put yourself in because you can't possibly console that person. You can't make it better. Um, probably the, the wisest thing I've ever been able to do is try to give that person something to do, like uh, 
Uh, one time I had one and I said, like, uh, we're trying to figure out a time frame on this. Could you possibly go out to the mailbox and see when the letters in the po in the mailbox are postmarked? This is total nonsense, by the way. It has really nothing to do with any kind of investigation. But it got the guy out of the house, gave him something to do, gave him something to think about because he was way out in the middle of nowhere. I would say probably the biggest change for for when you guys uh, were doing 911, and I can say this with some confidence because I've got some coworkers who have been holding down the fort since like 1993. But they tell me the the main difference is, is that uh, Karenism's way up because uh, now anytime anyone's you know angry or pissed off, they could just immediately dial 911 and, and say what's on their mind. It used to be that you know someone would uh, get into a snit and then they had to like find a phone and there was like built-in cooldown time and like. Like any kind of traffic complaint on the interstate is pretty much just not going to happen. Uh, but I, but I'll tell you, and Ricardo, to your to your point, I believe one of you was saying about eighty five percent of them are, are cell phones. I've taken probably ten landline calls in the last eight years that I've been a dispatcher, and one of them was from a ghost, which is a story I'll tell another time. But that that's kind of how things are, are going in the in the modern in the modern state of things. You, you, we have uh, great great intel, but we're also just being exposed to a lot more, and with with the next generation that's coming in, we're going to get pictures, texts, all kinds of things. True. I just want to clear the air about something. Uh, so think of this. Think of the resourcefulness. This is a show within a show. The resourcefulness of a dispatcher, of an emergency call taker, a telecommunicator, several titles. Uh, Ricardo's power goes out. He goes to he goes to his brother's guitar studio, jumps on there, throws his earbuds ear earpods in. They're giving a little static. And then all of a sudden, halfway through it, it just kind of works itself out. But this is, I'm telling you, every week we do, we work through some kind of technical uh, situation. And it, it shows the, the resiliency, not only from a mental health standpoint, but the resiliency of a dispatcher to say, and the resourcefulness to say, I know how to fix this. Like, it, it's, it's not like you have an hour to fix this or you have... Uh, I'm going to give you a 30 day deadline. Ricardo, you had like 10 minutes to fix this and you fixed it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I know that there was, um, something that kind of precipitated imagine listening or, or I am nine one one, the hashtag I am nine one one. And, and I want to talk about the explosion, uh, that in the power of social media, but wasn't this all, uh, and, and again, the, the, the power of this is that it's putting it in front of the average citizen that never thinks twice about this. Uh, I think they all just assume that uh, emergency dispatchers are lumped in with first responders and that they're paid as well as first responders and that they have the same retirements as first responders. And it's not the case. And generally, they're considered, considered clerical staff in just about every state i mean at least we're getting a little bit better but when 911 saves act came along um and I, and I know that you even interviewed uh, norma torres about that uh, is mm -hmm. is that kind of what precipitated your your hashtag what what was your light bulb moment in all of that so if i can say really quick when when i finished off my my career in in frostproof you know every time i go back to florida i visit the spot where the building used to be and I reflect on where I started every time. And, uh, you know, I shed a couple tears, right? Because there's a lot that happened there is where I started. When I left from there, I ended up moving back to Southwest Michigan. And I worked at the, uh, the county that I grew up in, which is Allegan County Central Dispatch. So as everyone knows who's watching this, eventually you're going to end up taking calls from people that you know. So it's 2007. 
And, and, and the reason I mentioned these stories too is because this story that I'm going to tell you is specifically in the book. It's page seven. And all of this adds up to the movement. Imagine listening, all of it. So 2007, my grandmother is now living in uh, Michigan. She's living with one of my aunts, living in the county that I'm dispatching for. She's in hospice care. And this night, all of my family are over there at my aunt's house. We know that she's getting close. And I'm in dispatch. It's about 3, 3.30 in the morning. And it was already determined, uh, or decided rather, that if my grandmother passed while I was in dispatch, I could leave. I would be able to leave. So I'm sitting on backup phones and radios. I'm not taking all of the main calls. So my partner on phones ends up getting up and says, Ricardo, I'm going to go to the break room really quick. Is, are you good? And I said, yeah, I'm good. There's nothing going on anyway, which you're kind of tempting fate when you say something like that, right? You might as well, right. Yeah, you might as well be saying the keyword in dispatch and everything goes to hell. So she goes into the break room. As soon as the door shuts, the phone rings. I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it. But as the phone is ringing, or it, it comes in, now this was an old phone system that we had. They've got a new one now. But at that time, if you waited like half a ring, then the information showed up on the screen. Now, I never hesitate to pick up the phone. But this ring, for whatever reason, seemed different. The hair in the back of my neck is standing up, and I wait that second, half second, whatever it is, to see the information pop up on the screen. And when it does, it's my mom's cell phone number. Uh. So I pick up the phone and I say, Allegan 911, where's your emergency? And it's my cousin. And she says, Richie? And I said, yeah. And she goes, Grandma just died. And I, 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 went, through, <clears throat> I went through everything, right? Get everybody out there. And I left to go be with my family. Now, while I was heading over there, though, I thought, what are the odds? What are the odds that I would be the one to take that call? That as soon as that door shut, the phone rang. What are the odds? It's crazy. And I've told the story many times. And, and, and some people had said it was a blessing. And it took a little while for me to, to understand that and realize it. Because here's the thing. And it's kind of poetic. My grandmother had lived with my parents since before my siblings and I were born. So she was literally there for me when I was born. And I was there for her when she passed away. So uh, very deep. It hits home to me uh, because of something recent that's happened. It's funny. Uh, I think jo the last time John and I were on together, um, I got a phone call right in the middle of the, like my phone never, I always put it on do not disturb. I mean, you know, I'm like, feel like I'm rambling right here. Uh, I always put it on do not disturb for some reason. I didn't put it on do not disturb. It was my brother, my big brother calling right in the middle of the show. And I'm like, uh, uh. and I had learned that my mom was on hospice care. Uh, and I was like, shit, like <laughs> what kind of, you know, what kind of you don't want like, yeah, you don't want to, don't want to, want to find out live on the air either, you know. I don't want to find out live on the air, uh, yeah. but at the same time, this is how fate works. I see that that's a common theme 
in your in your book though uh it, you know I, I i could tell ricardo like page seven so you'll so everyone will understand it's it's a like a beautiful picture of just some folded hands it says you were with me from the beginning grandma 27 years later i took the 911 call when you died how fitting to be there for me in the beginning and i was there for you in the end i miss you grandma hashtag i am 911 now if his was the only story like that it, it, you know, and I didn't know that was about you, to be honest, Ricardo. But if if his was the only story like that, it would be it would still be touching. But I, I'm telling you, when you read this book, it's so compelling because there are so many stories like that. And then it just dawned on me while I'm on, you know, I'm I'm reviewing this book, I'm going through it, and and reading all these things that these these dispatchers have experienced in life, and and they're they're just getting them off their chest anonymously which is even more important you know from the mental health standpoint because people are afraid to share sometimes and and it just dawns on me like look if you know this just happened to be in Michigan but if you if you're from a smaller town or if you're even from your if you're from a big town there's a chance that you're going to know somebody that calls and the chances of you taking the suicide or the the grandmother dying as we just heard here or you know there's a there is a chance that you're gonna take there's there's a recent story that that's not in the book but there was a a similar story in the book where um a girl a a woman took a phone call of her kid who was being robbed like uh at a convenience store uh fast food restaurant uh, mm-hmm. The kid dialed nine one one and mom, this is so and so. I'm being robbed, and and she did everything she could to go, you know, protect her baby, uh, get everybody like she, you know, normal protocol. But um, it, it's the small world part of this this dispatch. But it makes it doesn't in a sense, Ricardo. I mean, like, um, you know, do, doesn't it? First of all, we'll talk in a minute about what an honor it may have been because John and I have had this discussion before, but. Um, doesn't it just kind of bring home the, the, um, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it, I feel like it's, uh, like you're chosen it, when you're on that, you don't get to choose which 911 calls come in. So somehow something is work is at work. Um, you know, a higher power or pure happenstance, but something is at work to say, you're going to take this phone call. And it's it has to do with a drowning baby, and or you're going to take this phone call because it has to do with a kid on fire. Or um, do you get that sense in reading some of these things that you get? I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer, and I tell people this all the time. I'm a firm believer that some of these phone calls are meant for us, and the reason for that is because, well, one, we might know the person, right? Or there's something in our past experience that we're able to use for the specific caller that would be better for them than one of our coworkers. It's not saying that they wouldn't do a phenomenal job. They would do a great job. However, I have a certain experience that they don't. I would be able to relate to them better. So a quick example, and, and of course this is getting to you know the creation of Imagine Listening and the I Am 91 movement and all, because I had hit a burnout myself. Everything that I do comes from my own struggle of not having someone really to talk to about a lot of these calls. If you talked about them during that time years ago, you would look weak. And in still in some places, right, you know, that stigma is still there. You're, you're weak for asking for help. I didn't want anybody to think, oh, Ricardo can't hack it. But 
what I found out that once I stopped caring what people thought, once I switched my mindset about, you know, people asking me, what's the worst call that you've ever taken or whatever, and being annoyed about it, instead, I, I decided to do public education and actually tell people, not get into all the, you know, gory details, but just sure. enough for them to understand what it is that happens, that even though I'm calm, cool, and collected, I'm freaking out in the back of my head with that caller, but it's my job to keep them calm, to get all the information I need so that we can get help out there as fast as possible and also keep the field responders informed as well. So in the sense of some of these calls being for us, meant for us, a lady calls in, suicidal, doesn't want to live anymore. She was dealing with back pain, neck pain, excruciating pain enough that she didn't want to live. So I'm talking to her, got help heading out there already, and you start being human, right? Once you get all that pertinent information, you start asking questions to keep them talking, to keep their mind off of what it was that they called originally for, right? So what she didn't know was that a few months prior to this phone call, I was dealing with some excruciating back and neck pain. And this part is where it sounds kind of funny, because the thing that I ended up deciding to do was yoga. I shit you not, <laughs> but I was, I, I was always nervous to do it only because I thought, oh, people are going to make fun of me, but <laughs> right. I didn't care. I, I didn't care anymore because I was in so much pain that I needed to try something. Now, here's the thing. One session, my first session, it was about 40, 45 minutes that I was doing this and the pain went away. And so I had this, right? I had this experience. So I'm talking to this lady and I tell her about it. I tell her about my back pain, my neck pain, and that I did yoga. I took a shot because I want to save this person. I don't, I don't want them to, you know, that's our job, right? We're, we're talking to people, we're connecting. I want to try to save this person. So I'm telling her about my pain, about the yoga that I did. And EMS gets out there and she said, thank you at the end of the call and said that she didn't want to kill herself anymore because now that there was another pathway that she could try. And, you know, we're, we're talking about this now. For, this was years ago. For all I know, this lady is a yoga instructor somewhere. But every time I practice yoga, I think of that person. And that's why I say I feel like some of these calls are meant for us. Yeah. John, Destiny, is it kismet? Could be. Um I don't have any stories that are as touching as Ricardo, but uh, a few weeks ago, we had uh, one of our longtime dispatchers who had uh, he, he passed away. And the person who took his call was the person who had been his partner for years and years and years. Wow. And if the, if the call had come in for 30, min 30 minutes later, you know, she wouldn't have taken that call. Um, that same dispatcher who passed away, you know, to lighten it up a little bit, uh, years ago, he... I guess maybe this isn't lightening up, but uh, he took a call that his own house was on fire. You know, like just how does that work exactly that, you know, you, you're the one that randomly gets the call that and they give you your address and you're like, that's my house, you know, like uh, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's like that in a powerful ways, like what you're talking about with the lady with yoga. And sometimes it just, uh, just uh, not necessarily kismet but 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 destiny and and i've also been told that sometimes i i get 911 calls and a, a, my partner will turn to me and say you know i think that call was meant for you because what we had to do on that call you're better at than me 
Um, and you know, that, that's not like a compliment or about me. It's just, we all have our own strengths and sometimes mm -hmm. they'll take a call and I'm just like, wow, I'm really glad that they took that call because they handled that much better than I would have. So <laughs> some, sometimes there, there is that, um, I don't know, the river just knows which way to go and the call winds up, winds up in the right lap sometimes. And it, it is kind of amazing. Uh, so continue on, Ricardo. How did you put out the call for um, uh, I am nine one one stories, or or so, you know what was the purpose behind it? Yeah. So going on from there, you know, a lot of those calls, as I was saying, you know, I hit that burnout stage. I was trying to figure out. Yeah, I loved what I was doing, but there was just a bunch of variables that was just really bringing me down and it was eating me up. And I ended up going back to school. <laughs> Oddly enough, I went back to school, and so while I'm dispatching. I am doing online school. So in between phone calls, I'm doing projects. But all of these projects were based on dispatch because I wanted people to understand what it is that we do, why we do it, and really just everything that dispatch entails. So I end up starting to write about all of my calls, my side of the calls. And people really started connecting with those. And that's where With the Trenches started. It started as a written segment on a blog that I had. And during my master's program of new media journalism, they introduced us to podcasts. So I turned it into a podcast because I thought if it's therapeutic for me to share my stories, then maybe having other dispatchers come on to share their stories, their voice, which is just as powerful, right. and sharing those, it'd be therapeutic for them as well. And the general public will learn more, and those out in the field will learn more, and we can bridge that gap. So it continued from there. And... As everything was exploding with the podcast, you know, this is 2013 now, I end up leaving Dispatch. Now, it took me a couple of weeks to decide whether to leave because I felt like I was betraying my own Dispatch Center. I felt like I was betraying the folks that I worked with because they're my family. I'd spent hours with them in countless incidents that no one will ever understand but us. I'm sure that both of you have the same types of things. And I finally, through talking with them, talking with my family, I ended up leaving because it was my hope that I would be able to leave a, a good mark on dispatch with sharing these stories. And I would not only be helping my folks there in my old center, but 901 as a whole. So I ended up working and, uh, for a private 901 solutions company in Indiana. They found me through the podcast. They plucked me out of dispatch. I was working for them, still doing the podcast. Fast forward to 2016, and we got this reclassification that's going on. Both of the main organizations for 911, Nina and APCO, are trying to get this reclassification. One of the things that the both of them were looking for were stories. And because I had been already sharing stories for such a long time, I thought, I want to insert myself into this battle here. But I want to do it dispatch style. I want to do it raw. I want it to be in your face. And I want to share stories, just a glimpse into a call to raise awareness for this. So the first one that I put out there, the one that launched it all was, I heard your last breath the night you flipped your four-wheeler. Hashtag I am 911. And I put it out there. And I asked others to do the same thing. And it exploded. There was even stories from the UK, I am 999 in Australia, I am 000. It was almost as if the entire thin gold line got together to share these stories, these anonymous stories, just a glimpse into one of those calls for this cause that we had. And the reason I put it or, or uh, wrote it as 
I am the one who did this or I heard or whichever is because for me, it were, I'm not only claiming that call, but that I was there. But to me, it's also another form of communication, almost like I'm reaching out to these people who I'll never meet. But if they happen to read that story or someone who's had a similar incident, they will know that they were not alone. And with all of these stories that were going out, what I ended up finding out as well is the messages that were coming in from dispatchers and call takers that were submitting these stories is that people felt alone. And now that they were reading these stories, they no longer felt alone. And because it was anonymous, they had an outlet. One person specifically in their message said, my hands are still shaking after writing out this call because I've had it buried for so long. But now I feel better and I'm able to get it out and I feel better talking about it. It was crazy. Even callers were sending in their version of an I am not on one story, basically thanking dispatch saying, if it wasn't for this dispatcher, I might have committed suicide tonight. Thank you. And it just continued. Now, people kept asking, will this ever be a book? And that is where Imagine Listening comes from, because I wanted people to do just that. Imagine listening a call like this. Before the book, though, because so the I'm 91 movement was launched in 2016. Going into 2017, I started a session at different public safety conferences, and that's what it started out as a session. Imagine listening. You've got all the attendees in there, dispatchers, call takers. They have the chance to share one of their personal I am 901 stories. And it's not all doom and gloom. There's some saved ones as well. So for the first 30 minutes, people are sharing these stories, and it is emotionally intense. People are crying. Some of them are, are getting hugs from other people that are sitting next to them. And it's that emotionally intense. But the last 30 minutes, however, is open mic. And that's where we share all the funny stuff that happens in 911. So we start out emotionally intense, and then we finish off with laughter because laughter is good medicine. And that's where Imagine Listening all comes from. Well, I, lo I love in Imagine Listening. I mean, you, you run the gamut. I, I, like there are some just some horrific calls in there that, you know, people are sharing with you. But then there's there's this one that, that comes right after your call in the book. It says, I got a call from a man at the end of his rope. He was going to shoot himself because he felt like no one cared. I asked him what his interests were so we could become friends and I could help him get through his hard times. We talked for over an hour and had many things in common. And today we've been married for 23 years. I am 911. Like th those are the stories that you don't hear about that nobody ever talks about. And it's, it's not always just doom gloom and, and people, you know, cutting people down from, from the rafters or whatever, like you have success stories too. Like you, you, yeah. you know, th th there's an un unspeakable bond between two people, uh, especially when, when one of the, one of the parties calls saying, Hey, I'm just, I just want someone to hear my voice because I'm about to kill myself. And the other one on the other, uh, the other person on the other end of the phone is saying, I'm going to do everything in my power to save this person. And it just so happens that the stars aligned and, and these, these two were married. I mean, what an incredible story yeah. that is. Um, so here's, this is the book. Why don't you uh, tell everybody how you can get a hold of it? Because uh, I don't want to go into my tirade about how you can or cannot get a hold of this thing. It's, it's obviously <laughs> flying off of Amazon shelves. It's called Imagine Listening. And uh, I, I just, I love the, the, the fact that, you know, 
I'm sure that you've received these things written on napkins or bar napkins or, or pieces of paper from uh, conferences. Uh, I do have one quick question for you because I just had a flood of memories come back when you were talking about it. Uh, I, I believe we may have been at the same APCO conference in uh, Baltimore, probably in 2017. Were you there? Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was there with a, a buddy of mine, Stephen Pike. He worked in our uh, communication center. He was a he was a uh, a manager. And just the salt of the earth. This kid, I, I just I always just stuck up for this guy. Like he, he was just he was like a little right hand man, sort so to speak. And uh, and you know I, I you fast forward a couple of years later, I went back out to the street. He he was the most resourceful human on the planet. Uh, but I went out back to the street. Um, and, uh, he, he developed during COVID, he developed some type of infection. It wasn't COVID and he ended up dying. He just a very young man. And, you know, Ricardo, Sorry, I think man. people, um, just, I, I think people overlook the number of deaths within the profession itself. Like, you know, there's a million plaques on a million walls and there's, you know, you can rub the chalk and, and get the name off of, and there's a horseless, uh, a riderless horse with the boot backwards, but there's never really anything for the dispatchers who are going through the same, you know, adrenal rushes and, and, and whatnot. And I think people underestimate how many, how many dispatchers actually die during the course of a year. I, I don't know yeah. if you have experience with that or not. Yeah, I don't. I don't have like any any stats or anything like that. But I know uh, just being on social media, I've seen a lot of people say, you know, we've lost this person or we lost that person, and not not even just talking about you know 2020, you know, and everything went to hell, but right. mostly because I mean, I, so when I was in college, I wrote an article that was called um, "Killing Me Softly with This Desk Job," <laughs> because when when we're we're sitting for hours and hours and hours that's not a good thing man like a lot of times you get to get up and walk around but there's a lot of things that come with this too where you know when i first started i didn't have high blood pressure but i ended up developing it and i remember going to the doctor and my doctor saying to me you know you're pretty stressed out like you need to try to figure out how to not be so stressed at work and i said do you know what i do for a living and he goes, no, you've, you've never told me. And I said, I'm a 911 dispatcher. And he just started laughing. And he goes, yeah, yeah sorry. There's, you probably can't cut it down. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the stress, you know, the, you know, sometimes it's just the, the eating habits, you know, the, the amounts of caffeine or, or whatever. But I mean, sometimes, we, we, you know, you need that coffee because so you can stay awake, right? But there's a lot of different things that go into it where, I don't know that it's listed, but there's a lot of people that that do pass away and they don't they don't make it all the way or sometimes, you know, people end up leaving. But I think a lot of reason that people end up leaving too is because they feel like nobody cares. Yeah, disrespect. Think, John, yeah, mm -hmm. John is he is uh when it comes to disrespect, he uh he sums it up best. I mean, John like share your story i mean and i'll basically this is the way my boss puts it is uh at my agency for where we are we actually have incredibly good retention we lead the state in in terms of having excellent retention case in point 
I was the new guy for like four years. Like no one came in after me because it was just nobody quit, nobody left. And uh, so my boss gets asked by the state 911 board. I'm like, you know, what's your secret? How are you keeping people on board? Uh, and, and, you know, because of course, 911 apps, we all suffer from the same things uh, sort of universally, but definitely within the same state. And he says, you know, it's, it's not really a question of, of money or funding uh, because no, no salary or wage is going to make it worthwhile to a person to put up with the amount of disrespect that we have to take. And not just from the public, because the public's going to be the public, but the partner agencies that we have to work with uh, between police officers, fire, EMS, whoever else. Uh, you know, the, the people that are out there doing brave and heroic work that, of course, we support, uh, that the amount of, of disrespect that we, we get from them, that, you know, we're often made to feel second rate, that uh, we're second class citizens, that uh, we're secretaries or whatever, uh, that we're, we're sort of made to feel like we're the bottom feeders when the truth is, and people have taken me to task over this, but 911 dispatchers are the tip of the spear. Every single person that has an emergency or needs to uh, get help or needs to report a crime, or needs to access to government, the criminal justice system, it all starts with us. And we get the best information. We know how to get resources going. And what kind of person could you take and put in a job? And one second, you're going to say, I know how to respond to jet fuel pouring out of a tanker on the interstate. And then two seconds later, I know how to uh, revive a baby that's lost consciousness and is choking. And then, you know, two more seconds later, you know, there's an aircraft in distress. You know, like those are three extreme examples, but it's like, I've handled all of those calls. <laughs> I'm a person with, with that level of, of universal expertise and uh but, but you know i we don't get credit for it and it, it's just a shame because we do have a lot to offer not only the public but uh our partner agencies if only they would give us a little bit of credibility a little bit of trust and maybe a little bit more respect drew thank you i i think uh so you, you know the general officer or firefighter that's listening that's maybe not a dispatcher uh just think Think to yourself how many calls for service that you handle that you've actually gone, you know, that you stumbled upon, that you've gone on view or whatever you guys call it. I mean, you know, uh, in other words, something you weren't dispatched to. So I, I would say a high majority, maybe 80%, 85%, and it's a guess, is stuff that you're dispatched to. Well, guess what? Guess where that comes from? I mean, it, it comes through either an emergency uh, call or a non-emergency call, but um, so that's something to think about. I mean, th th he's right when he says they're tip of the spear, because the other thing is too, that, that people always uh, miss is that, um, you're listening to it raw as it's happening. You're not responding to it and you're not, you're not the big, you know, white uniform with the shiny badge and the gold, you know, uh, uh, shoulder brass that gets everyone to just kind of calm down a little bit when they walk, walk into the room. You're hearing it as it's happening. You're hearing it when they're pulling the baby out of the pool that, that drowned and you're, you're trying to get information in all of the, all of the chaos. And, and Ricardo, I think I cut you off a little bit earlier about, we were talking about how we get, actually get a hold of the book. How do you buy your book? Oh. Yeah, so you can uh, you can go on Amazon right now, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll address really quick. <laughs> there was something that happened. So it, it actually so it launched originally in June, but there was so many people that ordered that we ended up having to push back to accommodate for those who ordered because it got it got crazy. Like that's how many people were ordering this book. And, and then I was getting, I was, yeah, I was getting messages saying, Hey, 
what's going on with this? I'm like, I don't have control of that. <laughs> like that's that's on the retailers. Once they get it, it's it's on them for shipping. So it's it's a good problem to have, but I want people to have it already so that they can read it. So you know, you can go on Amazon, you know, Barnes and Noble. It's also available as an ebook, and you know, the the, the pictures. Um, are a little more crisp, of course, on that ebook because you know it's all high quality graphics and everything, but they look really well in the book as well, the physical book. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. I mean, you can even go, I believe it's like on Walmart and Target. You can order it off of there as well. But the main spot has been uh, Amazon and that's where you can get it from. And if I could share one last story oh, to end please. off on, on, on a good note, um, or at least you know, story-wise and everything, so when I ended up moving back to Southwest Michigan, uh, it's wintertime. And this is one that will always stick with me. I had a lady call in. It was a mom, and she was, she was hysterical, she beside herself, just crying, screaming, trying to calm her down to figure out what was going on. Her children were sledding down this hill. They were all trying to see who could get the furthest. And the youngest, her youngest child, her daughter, Ended up winning. However, she ended up sliding, uh, sledding rather, into onto the middle of a pond, and it was thin ice, and they were unable to get to her. So she's calling. I'm keeping her calm. We get everybody out there, and uh, as people are are showing up, I hang up with her, tell her to go with them. Help is there now, and I'm sitting there. And I'm just listening and listening, just waiting for something to come over the radio. And then someone keys up and says, we got her. We got her. And just, oh, geez, yes, fine. Well, yes, good. They got her. She's fine. Everything is fine. Now, here's the thing, though. About a week later, it's the weekend. My supervisor at that time is reading the local newspaper. And she goes, who took this call? And immediately everyone just kind of like shrinks, right? Because it's something in the newspaper, you know, and you don't know, we don't know what it is. Can't and, be good, right? <laughs> right. Yes. And so, you know, kind of freaking out. And I said, what call? And so she starts talking about it. And I said, that was my call. And she goes, you need to look at this. What the family did was they took an ad out in the newspaper to say thank you to the dispatcher and to the rest of public safety who went out there to save their little girl. She cut it out. I don't have it here with me now. Obviously, I'm at my brother's house, but I still have that, and I will always have that. That's amazing. That's, that's insane. Well, I mean, that's that's rare, and that's another purpose. Uh, like, the, that's another guiding purpose of the book. It's rare that mm -hmm. people actually take the time to do that. That, 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 yeah. that appreciate and understand exactly what you go, what you went through to get them to that point, um, you know, to keep them that calm. I, I you know, I, I definitely don't want to try to match stories with you. I can tell you when I was an administrator, though, I had, um, you talk about a leadership challenge. I, I, uh, it was right around the holidays, and we had uh, one uh, young dispatcher who took a phone call from a woman who drove into a retention pond. Uh, it wasn't even a retention pond. It was like a decorative pond in her subdivision. And they couldn't get the, the, the deputy sheriffs out there in time to get to the car. And, and she was talking to her, you know, the, the woman that was 
that drove into the pond, she was talking to her on the phone. And she's telling the dispatcher that the water's just coming too quickly. I'm not going to be able to get out. And she's trying to get her to do something to get, to help herself get out. And she's like, nope, nope, this is it. And, the and you know, you can hear a physical like a, and that was it. The phone went dead. So, you know, naturally she's, she took that very hard. I mean, she heard the person's. You know, this is the hashtag I am 911 classic example. I mean, I, I heard your last your last plea as you were drowning. A week later, New Year's Eve rolls around, uh, New Year's Eve into New Year's Day. Same situation happens. Same shift, two seats over. It's another young lady on the phones on the 911. And, um, you know, somehow she gets this call where a woman drives into a retention pond in the middle of nowhere. And uh, just calmly talks her through it, gets her to, you know, do a Google pin, read off the lat long. Deputies are all, you know, in a kind of in a wolf pack anyway because of the, uh, the, the New Year's Eve holiday. You know, there was a bunch of DUI units out there, so there were people close. Happened to be two guys from the dive team that were close. Got in there and saved this girl. She, uh, the, the, this girl that drove into the retention pond the dispatcher became a hero. She was on Good Morning America. She was recognized by uh, one of the Tampa Bay news stations as, uh, you know, like a, the woman, you know, hero, first responder of the year and all this other stuff. Um, from my standpoint, though, from where I sit, it's watching the luck of the draw between these two because the calls were the same. The, the, the exact same thing happened. And the outcome was just different. And it's all kind of luck of the draw. But this is the gamut that these people face. You you either sit and listen to somebody's last breath, or all of a sudden they're throwing a parade for you. And it, it, it's just it's it's an amazing um separation between you know joy and pain in this industry. And, and you know what, quite frankly, the one that was being recognized, she was, you know, she's riding the the tide, but at the same time, she's still cognizant of her, her, her crewmate there, her, her mate that things didn't turn out so well for her. And, you know, so now she's looking at it from a different perspective. She's like, man, I, I wish mine would have turned out a little better. The life would have been saved. I would have been a hero, you know? Um, it, it just, it, it's just one of the things. So this is another reason why I say, uh, I, I'm so proud to know you. I'm happy that you're, uh, finding success with this book. And I, I wanted to expand outside the profession. I want, this should be on everybody's coffee table. You know, I, I want, I want people to see this, you know, when you, when the sheriff, uh, <clears throat> when you're going down to see the meet with the sheriff or the chief of police, it should be in the in the lobby there for people to, to read and review the, the, the communication center is the heart and soul of any law enforcement agency, fire department, whatever. It's the first voice you hear. And if you're not taking care of those people and they're not well uh, dispositioned, then, you know, what's the point? You might as well just shut your phone lines down um, because you're going to need, you know, stable, well taken care of, well-recognized and mentally strong people to answer the phone to do, you know, the, to, to perform the miracles they're performing basically. Of course. Yeah. And you know, when just a few weeks ago I was in, uh, I was back in Florida, I was in Polk County and I got a chance to meet with Sheriff Grady Judd 
which let me tell you, if you've ever seen his press conferences, he is definitely that person no matter what. He was amazing, very, very cool. But I'll say this, when he walked in to that conference room that I was in there with him, <laughs> and he said hello, I immediately stood up. I felt like it was like my dad, you know, an authority figure, right? Because that's what he is. But coming in, I'm like, uh, hi. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we were meeting and he just kind of looks at me and he goes, tell me about yourself. And immediately I started going right into it, just vomiting at the mouth, talking and telling them about me. And we recorded an episode. We only had 30 minutes. So I wanted to share his story, but also talk about the recruitment and how they do it there. But he was sharing stories about his folks and how important they are to him. And he shared a story about one of his uh, dispatchers, call takers, that was taking this call with a person who had just murdered a couple of their family members had a weapon, but was able to negotiate that weapon out so that when this person came out and the deputies got there, they didn't have to face how I think he put it as potential death, right? Yeah, they, they, the person didn't have a weapon and they were able to uh, take him into custody without incident. So he's you know, giving this praise to his people and this person specifically in this story and it was just phenomenal to be able to hear him talk about it and how important it is. At the end of it, I gave him one of the books and I gave him kind of an overview of it. And he read the story on the back cover and he just kind of looks at it and goes, whoa, okay. He goes, I, I want to take some time to read through this. These are, these are some powerful stories. And, and he took it with him and he's, he's one of those people that gets it and understands yeah he he's very misunderstood because uh people think that he's the brash guy that you see in the news conferences and and really all he's doing is saying things boldly and pragmatically he's he's just you know people take exception to the fact that he's telling the truth i think uh uh, you know, that he's just some kind of redneck sheriff or whatever. Um, and something that I was reminded by rewatching or watching your interview with him is that he actually started as a dispatcher. He started as yeah. a, a, an ambulance dispatcher, which was you know, a wild story. He's been doing this gig for 40, whatever years. He definitely has a soft spot for the people in communications. There's no question about it. I can, it, it bled through the sincerity bled through in the, in the interview you did. We had clips uh, earlier, but um, our, our poor uh, producer, Josh had to, had to vacate because uh, lightning was striking. Uh, I think that was probably when I was talking about fate and stuff. So um, <laughs> we, we had a couple of clips of, uh, of you with Grady Judd because it's a fascinating interview. But if, if anything, that gives us the prompt to tell you, go to WTT podcast at, uh, at WTT podcast on Instagram and uh, check out those reels. Go to Within the Trenches Media on YouTube and check out some of those shorts or the full interview with Grady Judd because I'm telling you, you're going to see a humble human being who recognizes the value of what the dispatcher, what the communications people provide. And it's not, it's not like, Oh, I better, I better put on a good show for this Ricardo guy because he knows, you know, he's, he's connected in the dispatcher world. This was, I'm Grady Judd. I I'm just, a, I'm just a young dispatcher that turned into a sheriff. That's all I am. And, you know, and, and then he shares these stories. 
Um, yeah. And, he, you know, he, had, he shared stories of his own uh, of tragedies that he, you know, heard and, and, and why he was hooked. He would, he, he stuck around, like, I don't even think he was paid. I think he was a volunteer at one point. Uh, he stuck around and, but, but what a, you know, a humble human being, being I, I mean, not to, not to gush too far, but he's, he's a lot of things that people don't understand. He's a professor. Mm-hmm. He's a, he, you know, he preaches on Sundays sometimes. I mean, I'm sure people can see that in him, but uh, he, he is definitely a fan of the the communications people. So when you see that brash, uh, that guy telling the funny story or, or just telling the truth uh, that you think he's just kind of trying to grab camera time, there, there's a humble human being in there that, that really cares about uh, all of his employees to include uh, the ones that are the most important and as we're talking about here. Uh, John, do you have uh, voicemails to get to today? I do. Did you want me to mention that this show is brought to you by Ghostbed? I did. I might as well, since I just mentioned it. This show is brought to you by Ghostbed. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack, and you can get 40% across the site by using the offer code Wolfpack. Right now, there's a flash sale, though, up to 50% off site-wide. But if you're going to use that, go ahead and mention Fire to Stop in the comments at checkout. Tell them that Tansy and the gang sent you. We love Ghostbed because they support first responders and veterans. We also love their adjustable bases and their mattresses with their built-in cooling technology. You could try them out for 101 nights, and if you're not happy, you could send them back. No hard feelings. Sleep smart tonight. It's going to keep you comfortable, keep you uh, nice and cool on nice hot nights like tonight. Drew, thank you for allowing me to mention the good people at Ghostbed. Well, I definitely, uh, you know, a good night's sleep comes after you eat something well and hearty, like a smoothie from factor meals john uh so go to factor what's the website john please help me out factor meals uh is uh, a factor the, something factor 12 the, the most important thing is that our offer code is wolfpack 50 if you yeah. go there you can you can get massive discounts on factor foods guys i've tried factor foods i did post this on my instagram we have david in the chat saying that like that never happened i never did those things I tried the factor meals. So, so what's the difference? Okay, so they send you fresh food. It's not frozen. Uh, you can order packages based on your diet, the things that you're interested in getting. Uh, and you can you can get these delicious meals delivered right to your door. They're, they're very fresh. They're delicious. They hold up in the fridge. They did send me uh, smoothies, mango, tropical, strawberry, banana. These things were delicious. I'm going to tell you, they're, they're just they're very good. I highly suggest it if you're someone who's busy, if you're on the go, even today. Uh, I had to I had to get off work last night at midnight. I had to be back at work at eight o'clock. I don't have time to pack lunch. I don't have time to be reasonable about things. We were talking about stress eating earlier and how that could take down a dispatcher. I packed my factor meals and I took those to work. Throw them in the microwave for two minutes because I don't have time to be away from my 911 call. Do you have to microwave them? No, you can conventionally heat these things and they're delicious. The point is they're never frozen. They're always good. Uh, you could go to... Uh, I believe it's just factor.com, Drew, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, it is factor. I thought there was like a factor something.com. Uh, it, but don't be bamboozled when you Google factor meals because there is another site out there that I think is trying to shark your your uh, attention. But these are fresh. They're not frozen. They're fresh and they're delivered to your door. And um, like John said, the, 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 the code Wolfpack50 will get you 50% off the first box. And then they reduce it uh, a series. But let me tell you something. Uh, my wife is in love with these things. Um, and um, 
All I can say is this, come for the clean meals, stay for the smoothies. You will never turn your back on these smoothies. I'm telling you right now. Uh, Ricardo, I've got to send you some of these things. They're delicious. We're going to take a about it. We're going to take a call from Micah. Micah calls once a week. He has uh, been elevated to the position of captain of the comm center. Uh, he literally outranks me. It's unfair, but it's that's it's, he outranks it's all of us because uh, we made it up. So, uh, Micah, how are you this evening? I'm doing well, guys. I appreciate been listening to the show. Uh, uh, really enjoying your guys' story, the stuff that you have done in the past and you're continuing to do. Um, bring in awareness to the, uh, I'm going to assume their gender, men and women in the profession. Um, it's, it's really good to hear. Looking forward to try to get my hands on the book. Um, I think the only thing I can add myself is uh, maybe a little professional uh, advice, if I may. Sure. So uh, I think for all people that are working in emergency services, um, wherever you're at, um, just like a midget at a urinal, just stay on your toes. And uh, also, um, if you work in a p- position like I do, you work in a jail, um, in a room full of dicks, don't be an asshole. So that's all I got, guys. You Thank know, you. that's good. That, somehow that's good advice even at the comm center. Uh, I don't mean this one. I mean the, the one that I actually work at. Just always be kind to your coworkers. It's good advice. Uh, that was uh, that was wonderful, Micah. Uh, that was also a nightmare, if you'll recall last week. Uh, it, let me just throw one or two of these out, John, before we play some voicemails. Uh, if you don't mind, Ricardo, I'm going to read a couple. Um, you called and said you wanted to kill yourself. I asked you if you had any weapons. Then I heard the gunshot. That was 20 years ago. I still hear the shot. I can totally identify with something like that. Like, it, it's uh, people underestimate also... Um, the screams and shots that you hear because you don't get to reckon them with any anything visual. You're just staring at a computer screen and you're hearing something raw like that. That's uh, it's insane to go through. Um, uh, your your husband called for help at 2 p.m. because he was worried that you may have bumped your head during a fender bender that you both were involved in, and together. After you both refused medical treatment because everybody, quote, felt fine, you went home. It was 2 a.m. that uh, you called for help because your husband woke you up by making funny noises and needed help. I talked you through CPR while while thinking about how your daughter coached me for seven years in several sports. I stifled my uh, uh, wedding anniversary that weekend. I heard your husband's death breath. Uh, I'm sorry. I stifled my... Um, emotions when I remembered that my family was planning on attending your 50th wedding anniversary that weekend. I heard your husband's death breath escape as you became too exhausted to continue the CPR rhythm uh, and hit your fists on his chest before screaming and begging for him to wake up because you married him at 16 and you didn't know how to live without him. And nearly four years later, I still randomly wake up in a panic because I dream about your screams as you bargain for the life of your loved one. Hashtag I am 911. You're not going to get anything more powerful than raw human emotion that's delivered in the form of truths. These are not war stories. These are not meant to evoke, uh, like uh, intentionally evoke uh, 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 emotion that, you know, they are meant to show you this is the kind of thing that these people go through. Uh, 
And this is not the same thing as the chief's secretary. That's clerical. This is not clerical. This is first responder. John, Ricardo, either of you, do you have any thoughts? I have just, you know, I completely agree that what we do is it's not clerical. Um, like I like I alluded to earlier, just the amount of things that we have to be able to do over the phone, we have to engage over the phone, we have to be able to do things, you know, we're not scheduling, we're not just uh, taking appointments, we're not, you know, all that stuff, not to put down secretaries, it's just, it's a different job. And uh, you don't, you don't leave from an office um, with memories like that, where, you know, I've, I've had ones just like that, where we had uh, an elderly couple leaving from a small town, and uh, the, 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 the wife was uh, taking her husband into uh, acute care because he was not feeling so good. And she was so worried about him that they were driving too fast. And uh, she got ejected from the vehicle after they struck a deer. And I will never forget the sounds of, of him trying to find her in the dark. She was gone. Mm. And uh, the vehicle is upside down. And, and that's a call I'll remember for the rest, for the rest of my life. So that's, that's an experience that I have that a secretary is just not going to have. And it, it affects me differently. Secretaries have their own stuff. I'm not here to take away from them. I'm just saying I'm not one of them. That's all. Ricardo. Yeah. So, you know, think about this. So there's many different things that we do, right? When you have a call that comes in and it's an open line, we're listening to every single thing that's going on in the background within that environment. At the same time, especially if you're in a center that does all disciplines of public safety, not only are you listening to that open line, you're listening to everything else that's happening in the room. You're typing everything all at the same time, maybe also trying to eat at the same time. You've got all of this stuff that's going on. But here's another thing on how we use what I just call dispatch ear. When we're in the center and we hear shots fired or we hear some sort of accident that has happened, we get this close to everyone out there in the field. We know their voices. So if we don't know immediately who it is, is the one that's hurt, we start listening to voices to narrow down who it is that is hurt. That's what we do. That's right. That's, that, that's, you're dead solid right. Like, if you don't have the innate, you, you talk about, you know, you have to be a human, you have to have good communication skills, and you have to have common sense. You, you also, it's not just about multitasking. I mean, that's, it's a different level of multitasking, in my opinion. But you've got to have the ear, like, I, I can tell you, in the same, you know, and I'm not bragging about my abilities here, but when a song comes on, if I'm not, if I haven't named the song or the artist within the first two or three notes, I'm, I'm disappointed, but it's the same thing with a, with a radio dispatcher that, that is in tune with the people that they work in, work with in, and you know, the shift that you're working with, like, you know, what their tone sounds like, you know, who they are, you know, what they sound like when they're running, because it's something that's what it sounds like. But you got to know who they are and what they were last doing. And, you know, it, it's just a different level of, of awareness. So I, I saw something interesting in the comments a second ago where somebody was like, this isn't clerical at all. Like, you guys are crazy. There's no way anybody should ever consider that. But I, I, this is driving the point home. And this is the point of the book. This is the point of the I'm 911 movement. 
um, that was the point of Norma Torres' uh, uh, legislation, which is still floundering. Uh, not all states recognize 911 emergency workers and dispatchers as first responders. They recognize them as clerical staff. There are states in in the state in the Union of the United States that have visited this within the last 180 days and still maintain, nope, they're not first responders. They are clerical. Let's move on. And I, I just don't see how they're not seeing it. And, and th- this is why I say your work is so much more than it's a movement. It's not just the book. It's, it's the movement that, you know, that we need to get behind. Yeah, fully agree. You know, there's, there's always been, uh, you know, talk about this. There are some states that have redefined that definition of a first responder to include dispatch, but the reclassification part, right, is, is not there yet. But there are some states that, uh, and I, I don't have the, uh, the name of the website right now, but there's actually a map that shows the different states where either it's been redefined or some of them, I think a few, a handful that have actually been reclassified, but it's at the state level. And, you know, everyone's trying to do this at a federal level and there's, they're still, they're still fighting for it. I think we've got, uh, from the time that it ended up failing, um, there's like, they do it every 10 years. They redo it every 10 years, so they're trying to do all these different kinds of things to get this reclassification out there. But, you know, what started as a way to raise awareness for reclassification, which was the I-9-1 movement and all of these stories and everything that went out there, like I said before, it quickly turned into peer support. And everyone started feeling comfortable sharing their stories and healing and finding some form of closure through the power of storytelling. And I think that's one of the things that have been one of the biggest things there as well, because the recognition part, at least people are starting to see it. They know it. And especially in this book, they can read all of those stories. And one of the other things too, that a lot of people, especially in in 911 that are excited about in a way is if family members or friends, ask them, you know, what's that craziest call? What's this? Or they're trying to understand more about the profession. They can hand them the book and say, read through some of these stories and you know what I'll, you will know what I deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, like going through those stories, those are extreme examples at times, mm-hmm. but I can pick out, uh, if I, if I haven't experienced that, I can tell you someone that has. So, so these aren't, you know, like, this isn't like the hand selected worst of the worst, blah, blah, blah. Um, So by the way, the, the, it's the office of management and budget that categorizes these, uh, these, them into administrative or uh, it's the occupational classification system. So as Ricardo saying, some States have said, okay, yes, we, we recognize this or we recognize that. And that, the reason it's important is is because it becomes a factor in uh, workers' comp. It becomes a, a factor in workers' comp uh, PTSD claims. It also becomes a, a factor sometimes in the percentage when you're calculating uh, retirement. So whereas where I worked, I got, for being in high risk, what they call high risk, I got 3% a year. So every year I worked, I got 3% of my salary, my highest five salary, uh, highest five years. 
if you're just just a dispatcher, you're you're just a civilian employee, you're just clerical, and you get 1.6% per year. So you've got to work on average probably th- you know 40 years whereas I only have to do 25 and you know, aside from the aforementioned danger that a firefighter, a police officer, a paramedic, whatever, uh, the, the, the danger that's present, which is, you know, maybe 25, 30% of the job, the other 75 or 80% that's killing us with cancer or uh, heart disease or whatever is the same, it's the same stuff that dispatchers experience. I, I'm telling you, it's it's been studied. It's It's not hard to find, actually. So, these are the things to think about. Uh, federally speaking, um, they still they're still considered administrative or, or classified as clerical, and that's what the 911 Saves Act was was meant to do. It was meant to reclassify them into that category. So it made it it, it would pave the way for the states actually to to start. You know, hopefully the domino effect would take a, take place, and then all 50 states would recognize dispatchers as uh, first responders. Any final thoughts or, or final words, uh, Ricardo? Uh, where can we get your book? We, we already mentioned Amazon, uh, the major retailers, uh, socials. Have at it. Yeah. So really quick before I get to that part, I just wanted to mention as well as. I saw some, something pop up there about the rest of that percentage is made up of nightmares. And, and some of that, you know, you're, that's that's on there. You know, I, I remember some of those nightmares and everything. But, uh, you know, when you're for, for people to understand as well, when you're taking these calls, now I will say with new technology that's coming in, video to 911 is, you know, people are already using this, right, in, in some places. But before that, and for the places that don't, when you're taking these phone calls, Obviously, we can't see what's going on, right? So we're building or putting these puzzle pieces together in our brains to try to illustrate to those going out there what exactly it is that's going on. And sometimes, sometimes it's not or what we're putting together is worse than what is going on out there. And when we hear that it's different, oh, good. It wasn't what I was thinking. But some of those things stick with us especially when when we don't find out later on. So that's that's something for you know for people to to understand is that when you're taking these calls you're just piecing it all together in your brain and you're imagining all of this and it just it sticks with you. It definitely sticks imagine, with you. Imagine listening. Right. <laughs> so the book, as, as I, as I uh, had said already, can be the main place, I would say, is Amazon. All the retailers, you can order from their website, but Amazon is the main one. It's out there as an ebook as well. And then for the podcast, it's Within the Trenches podcast. You can hear it wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you want to find just all the information in just one place, just go to links.co. And that's links with two eyes co slash WTT podcast. And if I can say really quick with the cover that's there on the screen, those written stories that are right there, I took that picture from one of the Imagine Listening sessions that I did. And my brother actually had told me because I would get all of those written ones and I would take pictures of them and post them out on social media. And he told me one day, he goes, you know, if you ever write a book, man, with these stories, that should be part of the cover for the first one. And that's where that comes from. That's awesome. I, yeah. <laughs> I just, love that. I love that creativity, but I also love the, the volume 
that you get. And it's, it's, it, I'm telling you, it's just like, a, it's an untapped resource where people are just waiting to, to put, you know, like, let's, let's get these, let's dump the bucket out and, and, and you know, let's, let's get the levels down because like you say, I mean, it doesn't matter if we're going to reclassify or we know, we, we've got each other and we've always had each other, you know, even in certain comm centers, uh, pe- people are constantly at each other's throats and there's bullies and clicks and backstabbing. But, um, you know, when it comes right down to it, this is, uh, this is where I, I hate the, the term like in a law enforcement agency. Well, we're just a big family. Uh, we're a big dysfunctional family that just <laughs> fucking hates each other probably. But, <laughs> This is this is where we would come together. I mean, nobody wants to see anybody anguish over over something like this. So, uh, being able to put pen to paper and get that out of off of your chest, um, and and then obviously it ends up in a big pile in, in Ricardo's uh, in front of Ricardo's microphone. I mean, you know, that's a, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a really big deal because uh, you know, though the book is imagine listening, somebody is listening. We're we're, we're listening and we want to hear you. So. Thank you for sharing this with us, uh, Ricardo. Thank you for the book. Congratulations on its success. Uh, I will you. do everything in, in my heavenly power to to uh, to push it. Uh, John, uh, do you have any uh, you have voicemails? Do you have other stuff? Yeah, we got two voicemails. I just wanted to just also just echo what Ricardo said. There's so much power in uh, giving voice to your own story. Uh, when you become an author, you have authority, right? So when you Put that out there and you can make other people understand what you're going through. It's tremendously helpful. I think that my work-life balance has actually gotten better since I got on the show because people engage me and they want to know what my job is like and I get to talk about it. I encourage you to find a way, no matter what your job is, if you're a first responder, to, to find some way to do that. Find someone who can listen to you and understand and you can always reach out to me and Drew, anyone here to fail, just stop to do that. I do have two voicemails, Drew. Go for it. Hey guys, this is Elizabeth Carter calling. I had mentioned on the chat tonight about the deputy from Hall County who uh, lost his wife and two young children when their car was T-boned by a Corvette going 150 miles per hour. The deputy's name is Patrick Neal Holtzclaw. Uh, His wife, Avonlea, and the kids were just five and six years old. Uh, it's just awful. It's just awful. I can't even imagine the devastation that must have occurred um, at that crash. The only, if there is a positive side, um, the vehicles did catch on fire, but I would think that at that speed, I'm hoping that everybody was already gone um, and that they did not uh, know about the fire. Anyway, just wanted to um, let you guys know. Maybe you could follow up on it and uh, see if you can mention it on the show. Thank you very much, and I hope you guys um, take care. And, Drew, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom and your friend. Cuts off there. She's telling the story of uh, a deputy in Hall County, Georgia, whose uh, family was killed in a car crash. Uh, Our thoughts and prayers are going out to uh, the family both blue and blood of Patrick Holtzclaw out there in Georgia. We can't imagine uh, losing your whole family like that and what you face now. Um, I guess I would say uh, for a collision where you've got a vehicle going over 100 miles an hour, there's probably no chance they had any idea what happened, which 
could be a blessing. It's one way that they're spared that, but we're also thinking about the people that had to respond to that. You know, that's the, that's a story that uh, a 911 dispatcher and uh, responders in the field are going to remember for the rest of their lives. And that's, that's a tough one. So thanks for calling in, just letting us know about it, just so that a, a bigger audience, uh, more people can know about that. We appreciate that call, Elizabeth. We noticed you're in the chats tonight. So thank you for, for calling and we appreciate that. Thoughts on that, Drew, before I play the last one? Uh, Elizabeth, we're, we're, we're turning Elizabeth into a dispatcher. She's uh, considering applying at her local. She said that tonight. Yeah, I'm curious if that goes. Uh, Elizabeth, if you jump on board with that, like uh, – we should get you in here so we could find out about your process when they when they get you all on board come on and come on to the show and talk about it if if you feel like you want to you're you know you're invited i'd love to find out you know it's been a bit since i was a rookie and and I, i'd be curious to to know your impressions on it on what it's like to dive into the deep end uh maybe like uh, ricardo did hopefully not quite that badly but we'd love to hear your experiences if you'd be willing to share i have another one ricardo did you have thoughts on that at all or do you just want me to skip to the next one drew just just my condolences you know for for the entire thing i can't even imagine you know what everyone is going through but thoughts and prayers yeah. to everybody yeah. yeah thanks i appreciate that and and uh and just uh to finally drive home that point that's the worst day in that that guy's life and his family mm -hmm. being gone and uh dispatchers are a part of everyone's worst day uh and so that's something that we carry with us i'm gonna lighten it up we got one left i'm gonna play it and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna feel good the rest of the show guys i guarantee it <laughs> Or we're at least going to feel strange. Here's the last one. Code Indigo Delta Echo Niner. I have a confirmed fallen angel in Sector 87. Mobilize Operation Falcon immediately. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, uh, what you recorded landing was a meteorite. Any aberration in its flight path was due to faulty instrumentation. And your reports will document these truths. <laughs> I don't, I, I do believe uh, he testified at Congress this earlier this week. Uh, maybe, 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 maybe so, maybe not. I mean, what what we have here is someone in the wolf pack who wants to test me on my X Files knowledge, and uh, they were they were sorely mistaken to think that they could uh, take me on. As uh, as uh, Micah sent me in a meme today, I cannot be played, and when you play me, you play yourself. So that's what just happened. <laughs> was someone trying trying to take me down on X Files knowledge? Drew, did you have a a preview of your Friday show tomorrow, or is it uh, more classified than the X Files? It is more classified than the X Files. I did see Eric Tanzi uh, flopping around in here i i, I kind of put it on him to uh come up with a show for us tomorrow because uh, i've just been busy with family all week and uh i will just uh, be in there to sit and uh, crack wise uh we, we actually had discussed a few things before uh, one of which was the uh the illicit canine deployment um if you haven't seen that video it's kind of uh kind of graphic and kind of dumb but uh that guy's already been fired so uh uh yeah, and nobody knows the status of the employment status of the dog. So uh, I, I don't know. It seems to me that the um, it, it, unless there's a an incredibly good uh, reason, the dog was probably running that show anyway. So um, maybe it's better off he's not a cop anymore. Yeah. Well, I look forward to live updates on that situation oh. tomorrow morning. Let me. Uh, I do want to end with one call. Uh, one relevant. Um, page of the book if you don't mind 
Go ahead. Uh, and Ricardo, when we end, if you wouldn't mind sticking around a little bit, we got to make sure that it mm -hmm. downloads. Uh, the same for you, John. Stay after class. But I've got to find uh, – I, I might need you to flapjack for a second because I need to find – Ricardo, flapjacks is code for makeup stuff while Drew does things, since this yeah. is kind of a live show. I wanted to well, say uh, th uh, that I really enjoyed Within the Trenches. We actually had, uh, you had a guest on your show that was a personal, uh, she's a friend of mine, but uh, we we met together. We went to hostage negotiations class uh, in Iowa, but uh, I know you've, you did, you've done like almost 500 episodes, but her name was uh, Amanda, and she came on our show, and she was on your show. As she did amazing on our show. Not that she didn't do amazing on your show. Ricardo. She was great on both. Strangely enough, yeah. her personal story was actually the same on both episodes. Um, but uh, just uh, I wanted to say that I appreciated your interview of her. And it was, um, you know, I knew her personally. And then she appeared on your show. And then I landed this gig. And I was like, I for sure just have to basically steal what you did. So I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you paving the way for a, a 911 podcast. Uh, and we appreciate you coming on, too. Drew, tell yeah. me you got it. You got it. No, I don't. It's um, I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. Hold on. I was going to say, if you want to keep looking, I can I can tell the story really quick. Yeah, uh, go for it. <laughs> so, so while you're looking, you know, during that time that uh, when, when I first started out and I was working in Florida and Frostproof, um, I had something happen that I it will always stick with me. It, it, this is a funnier call that happened, and I was I was sitting in dispatch, and one of the officers had pulled over. Uh, somebody they had a warrant and the person took off running and had to call in canine and everything well when they showed up the suspect was just drenched and i remember asking them what the hell happened to this person so what happened was and this is the middle of the night and they're doing this track they go behind this one house and there is a an above ground pool and the dog keeps going around the pool and the officers are like, I don't understand. What, what is the dog doing? So they take off, and then the dog comes back. Well, when they look closer at the water, there's a straw up above the water. The suspect had been hiding in the pool, man, in the water the whole time, <laughs> but using a straw to breathe. And I thought, <laughs> is that clever or was that dumb? But also, who just randomly carries a straw with them? Well, you never know. <laughs> I mean, if I had warrants, I would definitely do a straw. I'm telling you right now. Um, I, I am That's not nice. going to be able to find that. And I don't expect you to recall this uh, story off the top of your head, Ricardo, but it was essentially that somebody sat on the phone with somebody else uh, as they passed away from being stung by a bee, John. Oh my gosh, that's and, not that's funny. That's exactly why I wanted to tell you, or I wanted to tell the story, but uh, it was very heavy. So you need to protect yourself at all time and carry your EpiPen. That, yeah. That's a good, that's no, a good. Was, go ahead. That was a, that's a good point. Um, I, I can't believe that thing about carrying a straw. I'm going to start carrying one now too. Um, <laughs> Just, I, I don't know if you're going to continue to look, Drew, earlier, Ricardo, when you were saying about how we don't get closure and sometimes we don't know how things turn out. I know Drew's talked about this story a few times on the show, but one of his dispatchers got a call about a, a motorcyclist who was decapitated on the road. And it was like, really, really hurt them to be going through that. And then hours later, they caught up with the, the officer on the scene. It's like, oh, his helmet just came off. That's all. His head wasn't in it. It was fine. And 
So like, that's one way where like, if you never find out what happens, like you're carrying with you a, like a trauma that you've imagined and gone through and you never had to go through it. And I had something similar once where we had a, a, a man struck by lightning and he was still alive. And I'm just like, oh my what? gosh. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm typing like electrocution for the first time in my CAD. I'm just like, this is nuts. We're getting everyone going. And I'll tell the whole story just because it's got some good puns in it. Yeah. But the deputies go over there and the guy's like resisting. Like he doesn't want to get into the ambulance. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Tase him? Like, that's just going to tickle him, right? He's just been, he's been struck by lightning. Well, as it, as it turns out, he was not struck by lightning, which is too bad because that would have been a hell of a case. He did meth and fell down the stairs. And when his daughter said, what's wrong with you, dad? He said, I was struck by lightning. So that's not really a good story. But I like, I like the idea that uh, after being struck by lightning, the deputy would have to tase him for being non-compliant. I'm like, this is a supervillain origin story. This is how this happens, you know? Right. Wow. Because yeah, I, I can see the officer saying, you're going to ride the lightning, son. And he's just like. Yeah. I just I just imagine the, prong, the prongs going in and he brushes him off that tickle so that he comes after the deputy. <laughs> See, and for me, the the first the first thing that comes to mind is uh, what is the is the eighties movie, uh, The Great Outdoors, with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. The guy at the bar, he's like, he's been hit by lightning like sixty six times or something like that. <laughs> he's got that gold or the the white streak in his hair and everything. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, well. Ricardo, I can't thank you enough for coming. You are, uh, you have, a, there is a uh, carte blanche with you. You have an open door anytime you want to come join us. You want to come break down a case with us one day. Uh, that's, uh, that's grand. That's what we normally do, by the way. We'll, we'll pull, uh, the 911 calls or the radio traffic and we'll, we'll watch that. Then we'll watch the, uh, and then John kind of gives his analysis of, of what the dispatcher is going through. And then we, then I go through the, the body cam. That's, that's kind of the premise of the show, but uh, you're awesome. always uh, welcome uh, to come here. Congratulations on the success of the book. Like I said, I'd, I'd be more than happy to, to <clears throat> help you sell more books. I, I think the world needs to hear the message that you're, you're giving. And I think, uh, I, I think the wolf pack will probably come through uh and buy a few copies uh, from you or from Amazon or uh, any major online retailer that's, uh, and as he said, get the, get the uh, crystal clear uh, digital copy. It's just Christmas, as effective. Christmas will be here around, right around the corner. It's basically <laughs> Halloween, which means it's basically a shopping time for Christmas. Go ahead and load there up. There you go. Don't be a chump. Don't wait until it's November 11th. Just go ahead and get it now. Wherever <laughs> books are sold, guys. We, we appreciate it. Ricardo, thanks for letting me tell you a couple stories. Uh, hey, thank honor, you. Honor to talk to you again. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, man. It's, it's awesome. And I look forward to having the both of you on my podcast as well. I think we would have a lot of fun and share a lot of things there. So uh, thank sure. you. I appreciate I'm, it. Absolutely. I'm free. I'm free tomorrow. Drew's busy, but I'll be there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, am, I am looking forward to a collaboration one day and not to put pressure on either of you, but there would be a great collaboration between your 911 stories, Ricardo, and John's drawings, because as you know, uh, they're mainly stick figures, but he draws, uh, he draws cartoons and stuff. In mm -hmm. fact, over his, uh, over his head, <laughs> not, not even caricatures, but over his head is, uh, is one of his drawings. And in fact, over your head right now, Ricardo is one of, uh, you know, it's John's sketch of himself with the headset and me looking mean and maniacal. Yeah, uh, that's listen, awesome. from the failure to stop family, to your family. Thank you for listening. We hope that you'll uh, 
you know, uh, head over to Factor Meals and, and use Wolfpack 50 to get uh, 50% off. We uh, want you to show up tomorrow. We got five shows during the week. Pay attention to the YouTube. We're always kind of putting stuff out there for you. Uh, download, subscribe, like, share. Go to within call the- us. Leave us call a voicemail. Us, leave us a voicemail. Go to within the trenches uh, and do all the things that you're supposed to do. So you're you all know what you're supposed to do. Just go do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty that simple. And don't get struck by lightning. So on behalf of uh, Ricardo Martinez, the author of the uh, Imagine Listening book. Little Dispatcher on the Prairie, John, and myself, Drew Breezy. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. And as always, John, stick around. Guns up. Giddy up. Good night, America.